It's all things 805. We're connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm your host, Miss Allen Nett, and this show is part of the Allen Network. Every week on Sundays, I like to give you a bit of insight into the things that are going on in your community, your home. Together, I really believe that we can make our home a better place If we believe we can and we work together. So this is how we do it by staying connected. So if you're listening to All Things 805 right now, please do me a favor. Spread the word. If you know somebody out there that has a message, resources, an event that needs to get the word out to the community, please contact us here on All Things 805 for an interview. You can send my producer, Nancy Rodriguez, an email at allthings805radio at gmail.com or you're always welcome to DM me on our Instagram page at all.things.805. The podcast, The Allen Network, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a host of other streaming platforms. If you go to www.anchor.fm forward slash Allen Network, A-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E work, then you'll be able to see all the platforms that All Things 805 is on, as well as all the episodes that you might have missed that you might want to go back and take a listen to so you can stay connected and informed about what's going on in Ventura County and beyond. Today on All Things 805, we're talking to a few community organizers. Jackie Enda, she is the coordinator of La Casa de la Raza in Santa Barbara. She's a social justice advocate. Very active in the community. And also on the show, we'll have Simone Aquila. She is the co founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara. She's also the co founder of Juneteenth SB. We'll also have All Things 805 community calendar of events. And if we have some time, I'll do my best to slide in some new music for you. So keep it right here. Up next is my interview with Jackie Inda, the coordinator for La Casa de la Raza Santa Barbara. It was just made in a historical landmark last year. Jackie Enda has some insight into the history of this building and how they're trying to continue its legacy. Keep it right here to All Things 805. Jackie Enda is up next. In studio with Jackie Enda. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. So I always start out with um, asking my guests to just express a little bit about themselves from their own point of view. Well, I mean, I guess the point is that what I try to do, what my community tries to do as much as possible is... Mm -hmm really force the issue of equity and the difference between equality and equity. Mm. Tell me what the difference between equity and equality is. The difference between equity and equality is that equality means everybody's equal, Mm -hmm. but nobody gets the opportunities as other people do. Mm. And so equity is really the opportunity to give people the same viewpoint, the Mm -hmm. same energy that they need in order to thrive. Starting point. Right. There's lots of different venues, community touch points that we have created to really push some of the equitable issues. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't like it. I I come from a city in Santa Barbara where politics is great. We have a really good democratic body of folks 
But regardless of the particular politics behind everything, there's a difference between politics and, and equity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes um, political values, they don't tend to stand with the kind of equity that we need. Yeah, I could easily say that I push the boundaries a little bit more than most because I don't really stand by a particular party. I, I stand by what's right in a community, by what's, what's justified that's really going to create more equity. You know, I am in a space where I, I can easily say, hey, you know what, you don't pay my bills. I'm not going after a grant that's going to make me change my views. And, mm -hmm. and because of that, I have more flexibility. But it also makes it so that, you know, the name, the recognition, the work that we do as a community sometimes doesn't quite fit the box mm -hmm. that that a lot of different um, entities would want us to fit into because we will be the organization that says, hey, you know what, this isn't right. Um, yeah. and, it, and it's not right for X, Y, and Z. Um, for example, like gun violence, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, to me, it bothers me a little bit that we are so reactive in our communities when it comes to those types of issues. And rather than focusing on real preventative measures yeah. that are that are tangible, that are actually outlined by Homeland Security, right. we decide to create proclamations after an incident and wear orange on a specific day. Not that I stand against that in unity, right? Yeah. But in theory, it really it, theory doesn't actually do anything for my neighborhoods, for my families, and mm. for my kids. Those are the types of things that, that I juggle, that we juggle as an organization, and the things that we stand for. It has less to do with politics and more to do with doing the right thing, you know, going beyond the, hey, let's have a good fundraiser, and hey, let's, you know, march down the street on the one day, but yeah. more like, what is the actual actionable step that this is creating for the people in the communities that I represent. Getting out there and really doing the work. Right. What has been your primary interests? Like, what are the things that you are most focused on fighting for in your community or standing for or doing the work towards right. getting it done? Well, right now, my focus with Resilience Institute, which is the foundation that I that I started, what we're doing is helping to reopen La Casa de la Raza. La Casa de la Raza is a historic building. It uh, became a landmark last year. And Congratulations on that. You. I yeah. know that was work. Yeah, yeah, that was. It's gone through a lot of transformations, man. Um, la Casa was founded in the 70s. I know a lot of the founding members that are still alive, but the building itself has gone through a lot of transformation. Um, it's been around since, what, 1927? 29, I believe, is, I believe that's when it was actually created, the mm -hmm. actual structure. Yeah. It was um, in the 70s, actually, 1970, when mm -hmm. Leo and, and Benji and Frankie Benales' family approached the owner of the building and said, hey, we want to do something. It was actually really interesting because during that time, there were a lot of the Brown Berets that were doing activism work. And, uh -huh. and sometimes that was a little extreme. The Ivy riots were happening in Santa Barbara. There was a lot of real push for change at that time. The Latino business owners got together and said, you know, we don't really want that negative stigma. We're getting hurt by it. Our businesses are getting hurt by it. Our community needs something else. So Leo and Benji and these guys came together and they created something called the Positive Latinos. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones who approached this owner and said, hey, let's do something different. Let's create a community center. And back then there was, you know, specific kind of ordinances that didn't allow Latinos to own those types of properties because of the surname. And so... It was basically a handshake and an agreement with this Italian dude who owned the property. And they said, hey, we'll purchase it from you. Give us time. Give us a year. Uh -huh. Let us get our ducks in order here. Let's do some fundraisers and we'll get try to get it together and open uh -huh. it up. 
And so you had all of these guys plus all of their families mm. from Ross Castro to Chila and everybody just working the kitchen, creating fundraisers, doing whatever they could, putting the floor down. And I remember Manuel Unzueta will tell you a story where he was painting these huge murals, right? Because he's a muralist. And it's 1970 and 71, and he's in there drawing out all of these murals, and he's thinking, what the hell am I doing in this place? <laughs> like, we don't even have the key to the door. <laughs> what happens if tomorrow they close it down? Yeah, right? Right. And then he looks over at the floor, and there's this you know, person setting down all of the floors, and he's like, oh, well, if he's doing it, I'm going to keep I'm doing gonna it. I'm going to keep doing it, yeah. And then what he didn't know is the guy that was doing the floor is thinking the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> And so he's like, well, if he's painting the murals, I guess we're staying. You know, they all have gone through their struggles and they created this master plan of having a community center. It's 25,000 square feet of property. Mm, mm. Um, There's a lot of history, a lot of struggle for them individually as families. But their purpose was to create a space where people could go, brew up ideas, maybe not have the funding, maybe not have, you know, the grants or the structure to be able to rent out an office somewhere, but start with an idea, brew it, and create it into programming that then would become organizations. Mm. So organizations like the Neighborhood Clinics, the Legal Aid Foundation, all of these different types of ideas, even WIC, Mm -hmm. they all came together through La Casa and Mm. brewed out into these huge different organizations and components within the county. I I understand their mission and their vision, but the building has gone through a lot of change. Probably about 24 years ago, the founders started to get older in age and some of them were dying off. So they decided to hand off the organization, the brand, you know, the building that they owned free and clear then over to a new generation of activists. Mm -hmm. And um, they created a new board. And the agreement was that the founders would still have some kind of vote in that process. They'd still be active, um, not active board members, but... Uh, guiders in that, right? And I like to think about it as like any old Latino community family, yeah. right? Where the grandparents are like, okay, okay, kids, here, here you go. Take care of the ranch, yeah. right? <laughs> and then the bylaws changed. The elders, the founders were, you know, asked to, to step back mm-hmm. after the property changed. And that corporation couldn't manage the property the way that they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. And the vision of really brewing different organizations out of it became one corporation doing all the work. And that, in essence, became the downfall of the organization because you can't do everything. So, yeah. So that place was like a hub for a bunch of different community organizations to come together, different people from the community that had different ideas. So they all were able to use their energy towards uh, creating something. Right. Then all of that kind of falls away. And then you have one agency or one corporation that's just focusing on doing everything. Right. And that they didn't have enough energy for that, right. basically. that right. That's a lot of like community effort putting on one organization. Absolutely. That's a lot. So, so, you know, 25 years comes down the pike. And after a whole lot of trouble, yeah. They ended up losing the property at auction mm. at the beginning of the pandemic. And that was actually a blessing for us okay. because most people saw the pandemic in April of 2020. Everything was closed, mm-hmm. right? The the courthouses were closed. Custody issues were flying out the window. It was just a mess everywhere yeah. because there was nothing going on. Mm. But there were a lot of developers trying to go after that property 
because it's huge, right? Yeah. And so you think of the property value of knocking that down and t- turning it into student housing or something. No, that yeah. would have been a big pocket item for somebody. Uh-huh. The pandemic hit and people forgot about the auction, <laughs> except for the founders, right? Right. So they showed up at auction and they're looking around and they're like, should we go for it? And they're like, well, there's nobody else here. Wow. So they went in and they purchased the building. So they got it back, got it back. at yeah. auction. Yep. Because of the pan- because of the pandemic, you know what? There, that that's a commonality of yep. the pandemic. We have stories of tragedy and mm-hmm. triumph yep. through the whole thing, yep. and that is amazing. Yep. I'm actually speaking with Jackie, and she is a community organizer, advocate. Um, and she's a coordinator at the La Casa de la Raza, which we're speaking about right now. So the founders, by the luck of the Rona, (laughs) by the luck of the Rona, (laughs) got the building back. Yep. They set up a committee and they still allow the corporation to be in the space Mm -hmm. because, you know, they were helping the community through the pandemic and, and things like that. So. And they said, hey, you've got to meet a couple of targets. you got to start paying people off. You've yeah. got to start, you know, doing a plan here. Mm-hmm. Um, a year later came by, and uh, a lot of people didn't know this, but in September, uh, not too long ago, right, in 2021, all of those um, protections for um, loan agents and things like that went away. Mm. So the collectors that La Casa Corporation owed all this money to went after the corporation. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of could see it in the water, right? Because yeah. they still had a lot of debt, even though they had already lost the building. Mm-hmm. And yes, they were in the space doing good work, but the building didn't belong to them anymore. Mm-hmm. It belonged to the founders. So when these organizations came after them, it pushed them into bankruptcy. Um, the judge during the bankruptcy process um, had them cease and desist any business as a business entity. And so then the founders are kind of looking around like, okay, so the youngest one is in 86, right? And they're what? like, who, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? do? What are we- <laughs> some of the spaces inside the building were literally condemned they had been for a few years now because mm. they were that property wasn't upkept and it was just a disaster in there now how many i mean how many square feet you said twenty thousand twenty five thousand twenty five thousand yeah. square that yeah. is huge yes. yeah so they kind of look around and they're looking at me and i'm just like kind of hiding in the corner because i'm like dude i got mm. this gun violence stuff i've got the school stuff i've got this fa- pantry that we're doing i'm like no don't look no, and so no. then they hand me the key and they're like <laughs> you know if you could just help us open it up <laughs> and i can't i have a promise to my elders right uh-huh. and, and with resilience we do mission work and we were transitioning out of the pandemic and closing up all of the emergency pantries so i talked to the team and i'm like so what do you you think and and they kind of had their doubts right they're yeah. like well if you go into la casa if we're gonna become la casa we're gonna yeah. be absorbed by that so know? all of your agencies yeah. or all of the organizations <clears throat> that you had you know yep. all of your little entities yep. and put them in casa de la raza yep and so yeah. here we are taking out all of the different components that were falling apart we reconstructed the kitchen we there was an old theater in there that had the um, theater company yes yep. mm-hmm. so all of those spaces we revamped and recreated mm. opened up created a 
boxing gym. Uh, we've, so we're opening up all of these spaces one by one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really cool because we've got a whole deck of young people. Resilience Institute has a high needs foster care transitioning service. So mm. our, our young people are in there and they're like, what do we do here? And like, oh, let's do a radio station. It's oh, like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. And then it's like, what do we do here? Hey, what if we do a coffee shop? All right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, so, Down for everything. Yeah, you know? So, you know, it's just, it's open space. It's a great uh, creativity moment. And then it's just opening the doors back to all those organizations and saying, hey, we're here. We, you were here before. Come on back. That's a and, real and community center. That's yeah. a real community center. That's what yep. you got there. So, you know, now what we're trying to do is is get the bearings in, get all of the space opened up. This is the 50th year anniversary of La Casa, mm. uh, come at the end of August. So we're planning a big bash like like only Jackie knows how. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping to be able to close down the street and have a big festival for the anniversary closer to the 16th of September. Okay. Um, and combine that um, with, with that festivity. But in the meantime, we're just working to get the space open, mm-hmm. um, the the roof and all of the things that come with a hundred year building that, yeah. that hasn't been really restored or, or taken care of in, in that the whole last time. Years, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've we found like hidden treasures, like in walls while we were I'm taking sure. down. We found like documents back to the 70s, mm-hmm. like original documents. And so we're like going through these walls going, hmm, I wonder what's in that. Like, what is this a real wall? There's like treasure in there. There's like yeah. Cesar Chavez like documents <laughs> hidden in this wall. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. We found these, uh, we found all of these historical records back to that. And uh-huh. I, so I started going through them and there's like old pictures and, and it, it's just really cool to see all of that stuff and and to see the work that that was going on back then and mm-hmm. how similar I mean I guess it's cool and it's not because the similar efforts that were happening back there with like um they in in this in 1971 they were doing stuff to try to reform um uh, prisons and to do more of a deferred sentencing kind of thing mm-hmm. and and now you see it and it's like why are we still having we're the same still struggle? doing the same you know? work yeah a little different, but the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just kind of transformed. So we transform the movement with it and keep pushing it along. But it's like, it's been 50 years. <laughs> Still pushing. Still pushing, yeah. though. So. You know, speaking with Jackie, and she is a community advocate and a coordinator at La Casa de la Raza in Santa Barbara. Thank you so much for being on the show. For people that are listening to the show right now, how can they help your cause? This is a community effort. Santa Barbara, we were discussing off air how it's a very um, affluent Mm -hmm. city. With this affluence, it still has all the same issues with um, marginalized groups of people and people that are underrepresented and uh, that don't have a voice or have to have people like you that fight to have a voice for them. So how could someone help you or how could, you know, people that are listening reach out to you and, and I mean it could be anything right mm-hmm. it's it's coming up with creative ideas coming up with different projects to fill the space yeah to hey I have a plumbing company let me help you with those <laughs> right um, yes so um yes there's all you know nonprofits will always say different organizations that will always say hey you know what find resources donate mm-hmm. um no this is more like roll up your sleeves and come on in and right? get dirty A- mm-hmm. any given Saturday and so people are like 
how many days a week do you work? And I'm like, well, first of all, we don't work. We're a volunteer base. Second of all, nine to maybe nine, ten o'clock, Monday through Monday. <laughs> so find yeah. a time, roll uh-huh. up your sleeves, come on in. Mm-hmm. And there's people who might have extra supplies, yeah. right? They mm-hmm. might have, hey, I just finished up a project in my living room and now I've got extra drywall, like bring it in, yeah. right? Because we'll find a space for it and and, and beautify the, the, the center and all, all of its different spaces. More importantly to me, it's it's about knowing that the space has gone through many different transformations. Yes, it's, you know, in, in a space right now where where the founders are kind of back in its place, but it's gone through a lot of transformation. And at the end, it's still standing. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. To me, it, it's an eye-opener, right? It doesn't mm. matter who's running it, what corporation is in charge, or, or what type of... Uh, folk uh, are in there leading the charge per se, because yeah. I think that's kind of a, a ironic type of thing, mm-hmm. right? At the end, it's about having a space that belongs to everybody. Mm-hmm. That um, it doesn't matter who's sitting in that front desk. It doesn't matter who is sitting in the office next to you. It's about coming together and opening it up so that it can continue to brew for another fifty years. Yeah, it's gonna die without that. And it's not about the building, and it's not about the specific agency leading it or a nonprofit. It's about having a space for the community in general. Yeah, because casa. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Casa actually was the first movement of Cesar Chavez. He used mm, to mm-hmm. do all of the activism work out of the tower. Right. Um, and I have all kinds of pictures of Cesar with Leo and Benji. And Benji, you know, beautiful Latino with a huge Afro puff, like sitting there, like, <laughs> digging up trenches in front of La Casa. And these are the same people now in different faces, mm. right? Yeah. And so that's really what it comes down to. Everyone has a specific gift. Yeah. And and not everybody has a resource to be like, all right, I'm going to go online and donate a specific amount. Sometimes you'll have somebody that's be like, hey, you know what? I've got this extra equipment and it, it's it's cool. It works. I just haven't used it in a year. Mm-hmm. Bring it in because we'll find a space for it. If it's not our 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 foster care youth, it might be our our um, deferred sentencing guys. It might be our our substance use treatment guys. Everybody has a specific space that can that can utilize whatever you might not use right now mm-hmm. or hey you might own a business and you want to put your logo as a sponsorship and you give us a floor in a specific room cool. right you know uh-huh. anyway so that's our purpose right now is to okay. get it get it to that space where it, where it can really do more let us know how we can contact you or i guess it's you yeah since, since they handed you the keys <laughs> like help us jackie <laughs> yeah. so how can they contact you or la casa de la raza um yeah. to help out so um we set up a website it's uh org. okay um the email is actually lacasafhc at gmail.com okay and that's fhc for founders holding company uh-huh um the lacasafounders.org website has the contact information. Um, it, it, we're trying to get it to the point where it's really updated on the day-to-day functions. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a lot of the stuff that used to be done, yeah. just creating fundraisers so that from one Friday when we're having a fundraiser, on Monday we're ordering supplies and and you know, fixing up the bathrooms. Yeah. So um, at this point, it's, it, it's, it's getting the place rehabbed so that it's still there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and for driving down from Santa Barbara to see me. 
Thank yeah, you. This is cool. Thank you. I wanted to run back a call on all things 805 that I received regarding La Casa de la Raza, someone who grew up in that building. I have lots of stories of being a young girl and going to dances there, but they also used that building for kids that couldn't get to continuation school, that didn't have the bus money, or that was from Carpinteria and needed to finish their education in order to graduate high school. They did so many things, but the dances were fun and they did the local bands. And, and I don't ever remember being there and there was a fight, but there was battle of dances, of course. But my last memory was um 77. I did go there to finish out my education to help get my credits. And luckily I did graduate, but they also did carnival, a little small carnival during the fiesta. But I just wanted to say it's one for listening to how they're going to revamp it and open it up again. That's great. Thank you for having this show and keeping us all informed. My name's Lorraine Dialba from Ohio. I want to say thank you so much to Lorraine for calling in and giving her insight about Casa de la Raza. And if you have any comments or questions or concerns or uh, would like to be part of All Things 805, if you go to the All Things 805 Facebook page, you will find my number there where you can call me or you can also leave a message on anchor.fm. Go to www.anchor.fm forward slash Alanette. Network, A-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E, and you can leave any questions and comments about all things 805 there, and I will do my best to answer them on the show. Still on the way on all things 805 is my interview with Simone Aquila, the co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara and Juneteenth Santa Barbara, local events, and I'm going to try to get some music in for you. Keep it right here to all things 805. It's all things 805, connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I just wanted to uh, do a short all things 805 community calendar of events. Next weekend, there is, there's four different Juneteenth events going on in the 805 that you might want to take a part in. Celebrating the federal holiday that is Freedom Day for Black people in the United States that are ancestors of enslaved people. 805 Resistance is having a Juneteenth celebration from 12 to 4 p.m. on June 18th at Caneo Creek Park in Thousand Oaks. I will be hosting that event. For more information, follow at 805 Resistance on Instagram. And the Oxnard Juneteenth Freedom Day celebration is at Plaza Park in downtown Oxnard on June 18th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, you can go to JuneteenthOxnard.org. And New Progressive Baptist Church is hosting a Juneteenth celebration of fathers on Sunday, June 19th from 1230 to 530 p.m. Honoring the hard work and dedication of our fathers is a free community event with music, games, prizes and food and free barbecue and cool daddy gift bags for our fathers. The address is 3101 South Rose Avenue in the city of Oxnard, and that's at New Progressive Baptist Church. If you want information on 
on any of these events, please go to our Instagram page at all.things.805. There's also another Juneteenth event going on in the city of Santa Barbara on Sunday, June 19th. Simone Aquila, co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara and Juneteenth Santa Barbara, is on the show to give you more information about that event and the historical Black community of Santa Barbara. Keep it here for that interview with Simone Aquila. She's up next on All Things 805. On the phone line right now with Simone Aquila. She's the co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Um, mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. I'd like to start out our interview with asking our guests to give our listeners a bit about themselves from their own point of view. Whatever you would like all things 805 listeners to know about you, Simone. Sure. So, yes. I am Simona Kila. As mentioned, I'm one of the co-founders of Juneteenth Santa Barbara, also Healing Justice Santa Barbara. Things that are important to share is as Healing Justice, we like to say that we do our work for the love of Black people, and we are joyful about expressing that in every way that we can. Um, so I am a mommy community member, I'm actually from Oakland, but went to UCSB. Uh, and then stayed in Santa Barbara for over 10 years. I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> but in community with other black folks, have really started to think about how can we use all of our power to keep more black folks along the Central Coast. So as I'm sure you know, is a struggle, right? And so we work on so many projects, Juneteenth, which we're incredibly proud about. We also got a grant from the state of California to write about the historic black communities of the east side of Santa Barbara. Um, Some people might know that for close to a year, we ran a black-centered art gallery on State Street called Melanin. We're in the process of moving to our next location. We started a free therapy clinic in partnership with UC Santa Barbara called The Healing Space. So black residents can go there, meet with black clinicians and clinicians in training and get their needs met. So we stay real busy, um, and I do that with my organizing sisters, Crystal and Leticia, um, but also we stay um, in community and just enjoy with each other. Juneteenth, which we know is coming up real soon, mm-hmm. we're actually in our fifth year of celebrating publicly in Santa Barbara, which I'm super proud of, and that work I would not have been able to do without Jordan and Chiani, who helped me start uh, Juneteenth Santa Barbara five years ago, actually a month after uh, my baby was born. (laughs) So she was doing all types of things and I had just given birth, but it was a beautiful, beautiful space and we've kept it going since then. So uh, tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with Healing Justice Santa Barbara and why your organization is so very important to the community. Goodness. I would say that Crystal and I, um, again, who helped co-found that space, had been organizing in Santa Barbara for years and years in really great spaces that centered communities of color. But often we found that our needs as Black mothers, as Black people, were being minimized, being erased. Like people would often say, are there even Black people in Santa Barbara? Mm. Or there's not enough of you, right? Mm-hmm. And we would be like, um, excuse me, number one, we're showing up 
all the time, but we also knew that it was intentional um, that black people were being displaced so quickly out of Santa Barbara. And so we came together in 2020 in partnership uh, with some of our other allies. And at that time, we put forward five different demands to the city of Santa Barbara. Two of them were about oversight that was needed for the police department and the sheriff. One was about institutional support for Juneteenth. Um, Another was the protection of monuments to black history as opposed to monuments of white supremacy. Mm. And that kind of gets to the context work and the landmark work we've been doing. Because essentially, we've now used the city process of getting landmark status to prevent sites of black history from being gentrified, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got our hands in all these different pots. And then the last thing that we pushed for was to have um, racism declared a public health emergency. And that actually provided more equity funding for public health, but also for the city. Because again, we so often were being erased from conversations, from policies and plans that impacted us. And so it has been a joy and a blessing to continue to do this work uh, since we started that two years ago. But it also was just a need. Again, we were often being asked to compromise. So saying like, you can come to this organizing space, but we might not get to the needs of black folks. And as Healing Justice, and we are a black-centered and black-led organization, so all of our leaders identify as black, we refuse to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we show up as black people supporting all black people. So that includes darker and black folks, black people with disabilities, undocumented black folks, and LGBTQIA black folks. On the phone lines with Simone Aquila, co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara. She's also here to spread the word about their Juneteenth celebration that's coming up. Now, I wanted to ask you because um, I feel a little bit ignorant about this, um, maybe because it's just something that I really didn't well that's what ignorance is right you really don't know a lot about it but there is a historically black community of Santa Barbara and there's an area that black folks lived in um can you shed a little bit of light about the history of black folks in Santa Barbara yes yes and folks don't feel like you have to memorize everything we created a whole Black History Mobile Timeline. It's also on our website, hjsd.org. That's interactive. Mm -hmm. And that traces Black people in Santa Barbara back to the 1830s. Now, historically, uh, we know that because of redlining of racism, because of, in many, many places, white landowners refusing to rent to Black folks or sell to Black folks, Mm -hmm. the only area where Black people were allowed to live once getting to Santa Barbara, was the east side. And at the time, that was considered a very undesirable area. Mm-hmm. So very buggy, swampy, they're like railroad tracks. Yeah. And so they were kept in this very strict area. Now, we know because black people do what we do, mm-hmm. as we always do, yeah. they created incredible communities that refused to be held within a few blocks radius, right? right. And so from those black communities, we get the seeds, Or the Santa Barbara County Food Bank, that was black folks. We get the folks to go ahead to establish the Eastside Neighborhood Center. Black people thinking of, well, if the social services in my community aren't going to serve me, then I'm going to create ways to serve myself and my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And we are so, so honored to have been able to do this archival work to uplift all of the ways that black folks have been cultivating community. 
And that brings us to the location for Juneteenth this year, which is outside of Chalhoub, which is a local Black-owned business, but is in the east side. Um, and so that's on Gray Avenue. And so we blocked off the few blocks around there, the 200 blocks, and we did that intentionally because, one, we wanted to say Black people are still here, mm-hmm. but also we've been here, and we've created community in the midst of just hateful folks trying to restrict our growth um, and our families and community building. So we're intentionally showing up in the East side in mass on Juneteenth, which makes sense, right? Because it's black independence day. So we're showing up Mm -hmm. to be like, "Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. we're going to celebrate real loud over here (laughs) and remind Mm -hmm. you all Mm -hmm. um, who made this community, who created this space. Leticia and Crystal who are the other folks that I organize with in Healing Justice, their families have been in Santa Barbara for over like four generations. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about some of the first black folks who were in Santa Barbara, that's their family. Mm. And if you can imagine like how spiritual that work is to talk about ancestors who the city quite honestly wasn't trying to acknowledge because then they would have to do a lot more work than they're doing to work with black women with those legacies has been amazing. Speaking to their grandparents, right, who remember um, going to Lincoln Elementary School, which was a school where many, many black families went because white families were like, oh, we don't want our kids at school with them right Right. now. To speak with grandparents who remember those experiences has reminded me like, yes, this is urgent. It is urgent that we remind people of the truth of what black people have created here and again have done so since the 1830s like mm-hmm. that was wild for me to realize mm-hmm. that black folks had been creating community many of whom escaped enslavement right. and then made their way to the central coast like that is such a beautiful history to inherit um, by now living on the Central Coast. I'm on the phone lines with Simone Aquila. She's a co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara, and she's here to speak about Juneteenth Santa Barbara. So tell me about the big day, um, Sunday, yeah. June 19th. It's going down in historically black neighborhood in Santa yes. Barbara. Tell me more. Yes. So y'all, Please come through. It is a block party. And when I say we have been building this up over five years, I'm not exaggerating. We started with a cookout at El Centro in Santa Barbara, which is like a smaller community center on the west side. Mm-hmm. And we've grown now, right? So our last celebration had around a 1,000 folks. And we're expecting even more this year. But it's going to be jam-packed. It runs 12 to 5. The food catered by Salhoub's is about to be bomb. And again, we have really, really prided ourselves on making sure that our activities are accessible and affordable. So please come fully expecting free plates of food, right? And again, that's not a tradition that we created. When we looked back at the archives, there were black folks celebrating Juneteenth at Oak Park in Santa Barbara in the 1930s and 40s. And they had too much food. There was like, other people, please come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we're joyous to continue that. So there'll be barbecue, cornbread, all different types of plates for the family. There's going to be children's activities. Elder Sojourner, who's helped us so much in the archival project, actually has a new children's book that's out called Juneteenth. It's her poem that's beautiful. We'll have copies there for free that families can pick up. Our theme this year is caring for the people. So we are going to care for you by having live music, bands, Vivian Storm will be performing, um, just beloved bands showing up in our community, singers um, like Miriam Dance, 
and Talitha will be opening it up with the Black National Anthem. We'll have a spiritual blessing to name the space that we're at um, in the joyfulness of the tradition that we get to continue. And we plan to be there until about five. So, I mean, like, come and stay for, like, half the day <laughs> uh, and leave with, like, you know, your spirit nourished and your belly full and your kids tired out. I'm a mommy, so I'm like, mm-hmm, bring them, let them run yeah. <laughs> and you can rest. <laughs> and it's Father's Day as well. So we'll be taking time as well, too, to really acknowledge some of the community fathers of Santa Barbara. And so I mentioned this historic work that we've been doing. And so we'll be naming some of these elders daily planted seeds for the community that we get to enjoying today. Um, and on the last thing I'll add is because we're doing this longer term historic work in saving buildings, um, representatives from our grant from the state of California will be there to collect stories. So maybe you have heard about the work we're doing. Maybe you visited our website. Hopefully after hearing this interview, you do. And you read the contact statement. You're like, Mm-mm, you all are missing this decade when my family did this. Or mm. you all aren't, you don't have this address. And this was important to my family. You can bring that information to us and the archivist that day so that we can get the information about you and your family on the record mm. and make sure that we can protect those sites. Um, so in you coming, you're also helping us save black history in Santa Barbara and uplift these black legacies of community making. Simone Aquila, co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara and Juneteenth Santa Barbara. So um, thank you so much for joining me on the show to talk about uh, what you are working on in Santa Barbara for our people, for black people. Um, just one more time, can you give out the date, time, and information about the Juneteenth celebration? Yes. So it's Sunday, June 19th, the 200th block of Gray Avenue in Santa Barbara. And we will be out there from 12 to 5 p.m. So we look forward to being in community with y'all. And so how can people get connected with you? I don't know if you're still looking for vendors or if you're still looking for sponsorships or anything like that. And also, how can people get that information about the history of black people in Santa Barbara? Yes, thank you for asking that. Because look, I was about to pop off and be like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) So please visit JuneteenthSD.org. It has all of the information about our Juneteenth celebrations. Um, also, there's links if you want to sponsor, if you want to volunteer. So all of that information is there. Um, if you want to tap in about the ongoing historical work, then make sure you visit um, hjsb.org. Um, and both of those orgs are also on Instagram. We post updates. We hold lives there, too, so you can hear about this work. And especially on our website for Healing Justice, like I mentioned, you can actually look at the interactive um, mobile museum that we created. Mm-hmm. We plan to have that out for Juneteenth again. But in case you can't make it, go ahead and visit our website and you can see like the 3D rendering of that beautiful, beautiful timeline um, that myself and one of my organizers, Miley, helped write. Thank you so much, uh, Simone. HJSB.org or Juneteenth 
www.ssb.org. Visit those two sites to find out more about the work that Simone Aquila and her co-founders are doing in the city of Santa Barbara to uh, keep yes. history going. And I have to yes. let you know one thing before I let you go. Black joy is the resistance. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for this invitation. It means so much. Um, and I really, really appreciate just the community along the Central Coast because it can get lonely. So these type of connections and solidarity is so important. Well, I got you. Thank you so much, Simone. It's all things 805. I'm your host, Miss Alanette. I'd like to say thank you very much to our guest on the show today, Jackie Inda, coordinator of La Casa de la Raza and social justice advocate, and also Simone Aquila, co-founder of Healing Justice Santa Barbara and Juneteenth Santa Barbara. And remember, this show is offered as a podcast on the Allen Network podcast. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Allen Network, A-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E work if you would like to listen to these interviews again or any past interviews on all things 805. Thank you to our guests and thank you to all of you for listening and tuning in to All Things 805. But before I go, um, I wanted to call up a friend of mine, Tone Rocha, who had been working with an artist who we recently lost before his time. So I'm going to try to give uh, Tone a call right now so, so that we can talk about Slim 400 and his latest project and song that has just been released. Hello. Hey. Hey, how you doing, sis? I'm doing pretty good. You're on the air right now. Oh, okay. How you doing? In studio, doing my show, like wrapping up the last bit. So I was like, let me just go ahead and try to give him a call and see what's going on with Tone. I feel it. <laughs> I was calling because I wanted to uh, drop that record, um, Hala from Slim 400 and Mozzie. And I wanted to talk to you a bit so you can give a little background on why this project for Slim 400 is so very important. Yeah, most definitely. I could do that. Well, this new record. Holla featuring Mozzie by the late Slim 400. It was a culmination of our first studio time working together, me and Slim. Unfortunately, he was taken from us too soon. You know, Slim holds a big weight in a lot of Hispanic hip-hop executives and a lot of Hispanic rappers coming up. You know, he's one of the very few celebrities or artists, you know, even though there's quite a bit that do that, but he was one of the ones that did it with open arms and free of charge. Mm. All these other artists and celebrities kind of see a dollar sign every time somebody wants to approach them. Slim wasn't that type of person. He was about his bread wholeheartedly, but when it came down to somebody being of a different culture or ethnicity, it gave them a chance to prove they were. So for me, it was more important, you know, me being out here from the 805, sending him off the right way on something that me and him started together. From the beat choosing to the record being recorded and and, you know, and finish up with the visual. So um, tell me a little bit of background about your relationship with uh, Slim 400. I met him, well, I approached him on some business stuff. He was needing graphic design work done. 
and logo and branding work done. And he liked some of the stuff I had sent him of ideas for his work. And we started going from there. My artist, Jaquan Bentley, kind of started off the business relationship with him by having a feature with him that we put together that we also shot out here by the name of Cameron Vaughn. And then from there, Slim kind of tested to see what I can connect for him and what can I bring to the table, you know, him and uh, my partner, Mud Dallas, run the label side of things and me take care of Slim's day to day, you know, starting to work in harmony. We were starting to get the vibe of each other. And, you know, like I said, unfortunately, he was taken from us too soon before we could figure that out. So he's got a new album that you guys are pushing. What is the title of the album? The title of the album is called Hold Up Forever. Um, Hold Up was one of Slim 400's signature catchphrases. So that's why we're calling it the Hold Up Forever. You know, we got Vincent Smart now. We got a couple of projects still in the vault that we need to work on, but just his posthumous album and come out swing with a lot of big singles. We just dropped the record with Casey Veggies and now this record Hollow with Mozzie. Just wanted to keep it going like if Slim was here. You know, um, I just wanted to check in with you a little bit and so you can give a little background about Slim 400 and who he was to the community, you know, in the 805. I mean, I met slim um and um yeah he's got a great spirit so and you know he was taken from us too soon but his music and his legacy lives on so this record give me a little big uh, background on what holla is holla is just you know time to girl yeah i might holla you know <laughs> time to girl i might holla you know being on that being on that flossy stuff <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Tone, for checking in with me um, on all things 805. I appreciate you, you too. Yeah. Do me a favor and go ahead and introduce that record for me so I can drop it and so the people can hear this fun record. Okay, y'all. It's your boy, Mr. Tone 805, out here from Oxnard. This is the record holla featuring Mozzie by the late, great, Phil Fallheim. Let's do it. It's all things 805. Spin 10 on his helmet, that's a light dollar. Wet flaws when we slither, got ice water. Hey, put the handhelds up, we ignite chopper. Baby, try and pay my pimpin' and I might holler. Spin 10 on his helmet, that's a light dollar. Wet flaws when we slither, got ice water. Hey, put the handhelds up, we ignite chopper. Baby, try and pay my pimpin' and I might holler. It's the 2021, we niggas holler. She gon' swallow me as soon as she pop out. Wolfin' in the bounty, get you nutted. Heard you roll it up and you a dropout. I do not associate with dorks, I'm from fourth. I get all the PT on the court. Really one of them ones where I'm from, yes, of course. Took his sister down as Gucci juice on my Dior. Score. All the pieces get ignored. Fucking around the name and spend like 20 in the store. Fucking around with Yiki, been convicted for like four. Fucking around with out of towners, they gon' need some more. Spent 10 on his helmet, that's a light dollar. Wet flows when we slither, got ice water. Hey, put the handhelds up, we ignite chopper. Baby, try and pay my pimpin' and I might holler. Spent 10 on his helmet, that's a light dollar. Wet flows when we slither, got ice water. Hey, put the handhelds up, we ignite chopper. Baby, try and pay my pimpin' and I might okay. holler. Back up on that shit, so ain't no ax about it. Real n- feel it, think I'm Luminati. Nine shots for me dead, I still on my body. And making moves on these just got to drop from Ozzy. Big ties on the whip when we pop out. And that small talk blood get you sucked out. It's about the boy murder gang when we slide noise. And you a flip jack, can't bring it down back. Left on a spruce boy, it's sliding at them tucking toys. Smart shit ain't no talk about. If a real one's there, I hear you out. So what's happening? The f around the real estate gon' run you out. Yo, it's this step on mine, who ain't gun your mouth. Ice water. Spin 10 on his helmet, that's a light dollar. Wet flows when we slither, got ice water. I put the handheld. 
chops up, we ignite chopper. Baby tryna pay my pivot and I might holler. Spent 10 on this helmet, that's a light dollar. Wet flows when we slither, got ice water. I put the handhelds up, we ignite chopper. Baby tryna pay my pivot and I might holler.